Mushy Mushy, Yokoso, Ah, Sustain. This is the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? Why do these little badges jingle so badly? I am, of course, at State of Open UK, which is the first of its kind conference in the UK dedicated towards open source and open data and all the open things in London and Westminster. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You'll love it. And I'm here today in the podcast room with Ana Jimenez. Ana, it's great to have you on again. I believe this is our third time talking. Yeah, I think so. Thank you so much again for the invite. Yeah, it's great. And it's also cool to be able to talk in person. I've never actually sat right. like this. So. Yeah, because the last time we did everything online. We did. So here we are. Were you at FOSDEM? Yeah, I was. So one of the questions I've been asking people in these little mini podcast series is, what was your main takeaway at FOSDEM? What was really fun that you want to talk about that you saw there? So this was my third time at FOSDEM. And compared with other times, what I just found was a massive bunch of new people, new faces. And it was exciting at the same time, but also really crowded. And it was like, oh my God, too many people. I mean, usually... 8,000, right? I don't know, but usually, of course, like the rooms are packed. This time was like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting to see how many people are going there and interested of free software. But anyway, I think so many people were missing the in-person events. And this was a clear example. It's great to see such a vibrant conference. That one's all run by volunteers. And it's just been going for so long now. Did you manage to attend any talks that you particularly enjoyed? So I just attended virtually because it was really <laughs> packed to the community dev rooms. And yeah. also it was called Open Design. Cool, yeah. To yep. some of them. Yep. But that is because I'm interested in all the illustration and design tools, open source tooling and so on. I think it's true that you can attend there in person, but you avoid like the queues and so on. So yeah. being able to plug in and listen to the talks is also great. Pretty much every year, open source design has a panel or a talk or a room there. They're a really awesome organization that's kind of acephalous and it's kind of community driven. My last person I interviewed was Errol Fox. Errol's another member of Open Source Design. She and I are both co-hosts of the Sustaining Open Source Design podcast. Oh, So I'm glad that went well. You're able to learn about that. We'll have to have you on that as well. You, of course, are... What's your technical role? Community manager at... Yeah, hospital program manager. And you do a lot in terms of output. You tend to make a lot of presentations, a lot of resources. Tell me what you've been doing in the past three months at that <laughs> So you can guess it's a really multidisciplinary thing. Even though my official role is program manager, I do a bunch of things like design, yep. community management, also project management. So for instance, I've been encouraging the community to start getting things done. One of the things <laughs> that it's really important is not just about getting people excited on you know, Oh yeah, this initiative, we should make this. Okay, make it. Let's put strategic goals. Let's create a working group and let, let the community just speak openly and to provide that space. So I would say like in summary, that will be my day-to-day -day activities and reviewing, of course, all the PRs and merge requests from the community that has been having new ideas. I've also helped you with the design on the new Ospology and Tudor mascot. 
So that was from the design. It's called Ospuzzi. And the little green thing with the little green blob on the side. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So because it's like a mochi, like yeah. Japanese dessert and yep. it's Ospo and mochi and so on. And also helping other local communities to thrive. So I don't know if your experience with Tutu Group, but in the past, it was everything more focused on the States and United States and Americas mostly. So we are now, of course, OSPOs are being built worldwide yeah. and trying to facilitate this geographical availability and conversations happening even in their own languages. Like, for instance, we are seeing OSPO communities being started in Europe and also in Japan. That was in the last one. They wanted to have this OSPO local meetups in Japanese. So that is what I have been trying to facilitate, trying to reach out to local ambassadors that are helping the OSPO movement, but they are locals of each region. And oh, well, I'm doing a lot of presentations, of course, like more as a dev role, dev advocacy thing. Tell me more about the regional working groups. So for instance, the Japanese regional working group, mm -hmm. are those mainly Japanese companies or are they international arms of international companies? that just happen to be in Japan? And are they building resources for the Japanese market? Or are they just translating and transferring knowledge from Anglo markets into Japanese? So it's local community behaves different. In particular, for the OSPO Japanese local community, right now what they're trying to do is cover three different angles. The first one is raising awareness of the need of OSPOs mostly in Japanese companies, because there are just a few of them and they really want to encourage that like more proactively. So for that, they're creating meetups. Also, they're helping with translations, but it's not just about translations in terms of language, but also how to adapt the existing resources that are out there, not only in Chudu, that can help OSPOs and adapt it to their market needs and to their economic constraints and barriers and so on. So mostly that for the Japanese community, for instance. Can you tell me about what other, you said in Europe, and Europe is of course a massive thing. So which yeah. groups are there in Europe? Yeah, so it's been held a Netherlands chapter as well. Actually, two weeks ago, Aliander, that it's a Netherlands company from the energy sector, started the first Ospology Netherlands thing. They also invited, for instance, the government side because companies and governments are like somehow connected. Yeah. So they wanted to have this space where companies and governments could have a conversation together and put everyone on the same page. So for that specific community, it makes sense for them to offer those spaces where they can also bring the public sector into those communities. Cool. And of course, that is also, is everything is in that. Project Live was done in English, but the chapter that exists right now is everything is in that. So I don't have any idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Maybe they are thinking about, I, I don't know. Yeah, you said you're facilitating the Japanese stuff. Do you do that in Japanese as well? Yeah, but that at least cool. I know, I, so can, I somehow know what's going on. Cool. Tell me more about Ospology for those who are listening to unaware of it. Yeah, so Ospology is the open community. It's on the Tutu group for everyone that wants to talk about Ospos or connect with other Ospos or they're 
thinking about learning more about OSPOS. So we have different initiatives there. For instance, we have the OSPO mind map in that repository. We have also public meetings like the Ospology Live. Right now are running in Europe only. It's open, like everyone can suggest to be a host on different regions. And we have also like OSPO local meetups, like the Japanese one. We have another one in Helsinki. So those ones, we can't to be distributed in this sense and give voice to those local ambassadors. So those sports that are on the region and they really want to thrive and give voice on the need of the OSPO and how cool. more OSPOs can be adopted. But well, they are the experts and they have deep knowledge on its region. So we also try to enable that kind of collaboration in OSPOlogy. Anna Jimenez, Santa Maria, how does the to-do groups work and how does OSPOlogy, all that stuff, fit within a larger question of open source sustainability? What do you think about corporate involvement in the space? Do you think it lends itself towards a healthier ecosystem as a whole? So in the community, there's been discussions on that, on how OSPOs can have sustainability in the long term within the organizations, but also how can they be the key to make healthy relationships with the open source communities. Even here in the Open UK, I keep hearing talks and police open source leaders talking about how OSPOs can act as the vehicle to make that happen. And I think they're right. In some point, the OSPO is the public face where the open source communities can reach out to and where the organizations can ask for advice. So if more OSPOs are being held and what is more important, if OSPOs can prove the value and knows how to measure the value and transmit that value to the organizations, the OSPOs are going to trip in the organization. And because the OSPOs, technically, they are the open source experts within that organizations and the point of contact, they can advise how to operate in open source in a healthy way, like how to implement open source best practices and how the employees, contributors can navigate through open source communities and doing it right in legal terms and also in community side as well. So as I said, this conversation has been happening from time to time, but during the past months, we've seen this being a core topic and it's more about like sustainability and also measuring the value of open source or trying to build a set of best practices and experiences of all the open source problem offices on how are they measuring the value of what they are doing inside the organizations that is sometimes needed and also the need of bringing this open source cultural shift that for instance that is something that by adopting inner source principles and the resources that are already in the inner source commons foundation it's great to get started yeah there's been discussions around that and it looks like a core topic that is gonna remain in the following years how do you judge inauthentic participation in ospos how do you say actually the way you're acting ospo number x isn't authentic it isn't valuable it's not sustainable 
Do you ever have any actions that you take to say, actually, this isn't what we want? So I've seen in the past those posts that has been there for a while and then they sat down. So this is public, like for instance, in the Uber OSPO use case. So they used to have an OSPO, they sat down and eventually they, I think last year they started again. And one of the things they were saying is like, we act in silo in within the organization. It was the OSPO team, but they weren't able to transmit the value of the OSPO and to communicate on the different departments that open source should be important thing to engage, not only to use, but also to participate and contribute in there. So yes, I've seen that before, but the thing is that what I'm saying now is more OSPOs being cautious on that, like being aware that this is a problem and that the first thing when building the OSPO is making sure that they're communicating effectively and this open source culture is started from the baseline. Are there any checks and balances? Like, is there a list of OSPO actions which are not useful, which are not good? Like anti-patterns? So yeah. No, but I think someone said, like, instead of, like, doing best practices, maybe doing, like, what an OSPO shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, like, it's been on the discussions, but there is nothing there yet, as far yeah. as I know. I mean, I ask because a lot of people say that code of conducts are only as good as when they're enforced. If a code of conduct exists for a conference and someone complains, nothing is done, you don't have a code of conduct. It's not useful. It's not creating a safe space. If anything, it's marketing. And a lot of times we talk about corporate investment in open source, corporate strategies for being an open source. We have a lot of highfalutin great intentions. Hey, no, we're here to try to help the open source community. But if you cut the legs off, them, they might dropping funding in an inauthentic way. Or if you take maintainers away who are part of the core team, that's not actually living your values. And I know politically you can't say, no, you're a bad Osbo now. But I always wonder about how do you hold community members accountable if you're a coalition? I don't have an answer for this question. And it's a hard thing to ask you because politically you can't say like, well, this yeah, company is doing bad. I'm just always curious about that because it relates to the long-term sustainability and health of all of open source, depending on how we do things. So I will say that sometimes, even though our organization have an OSPO, the OSPO doesn't have power yeah. on the organization. And maybe that can lead to the situation you're, yeah. you're talking about. So how can we empower those OSPOs in the organization? How can we leverage because the people that are in OSPOs usually are people that were in the open source, that understand yep. how to navigate in open source. Like they are really the experts and yeah, they, they can really advise. Yeah. The problem is that sometimes they cannot do the work they would like to do because yep. of the organizations doesn't understand the value of open source. And even though they have an OSPO, it's like, yeah, it's not enough to say my organization have an OSPO. It's about commitment. That is all I can say. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, as always. And thank you for um, taking a proactive stance. I often take a gripey stance. It's good to take another one. Be like, well, no, how can we help these people out? So, excellent. We're obviously here at State of Open UK. And so I'm curious, do you have a talk here? What are you doing here? How does the UK get involved with To Do and the Austin group? So, Amanda, it's great (laughs) doing that, like convincing people to participate and 
I think she mentioned this maybe in the Open Source Summit in Dublin. I mean, I know this wasn't a thing until eight weeks ago or so. That's yep. crazy. But she had something on mind and she just mentioned like, hey, do you want to be part of the advisory board? Do you want to submit a talk? Feel free to do so. So I thought that this was a great thing to do. So what I've seen in this conference is that it's bringing different voices from different foundations, from different open source communities. And I think that it's something so well needed. It's like something we work in silos and open source shouldn't be that. So that is great to bring all these communities together into one conference, which is great. Can you tell me a bit about whether British participants in the OSPO space have different concerns than elsewhere? Like, have you noticed that, say, post-Brexit, there's been more conversations around how to run an OSPO in Britain? In Europe, what I've seen is that there is a need of creating local communities. Cool. But of course, usually what I've seen also is that they don't want to create local communities just to be siloed. But maybe to talk about a specific problems from the regions while collaborating locally. So I think that it's a good thing. I haven't seen so far a specific initiative saying, no, no, we just want you to be in our boxes and ignore the rest of the people. So I think that is great. I think it's important to do this. Let's collaborate globally, but enable these discussions, for instance, in their own language. Yep and talk about a specific province. So we've talked a lot about what you've been doing. We've talked a lot about, you know, organizing all these different regional committees and regional groups, and also the mind map, astrology, et cetera, et cetera. What are you looking forward to in the next few months that you're working on? So there is a lot of open initiatives right now, but sometimes what I've seen, at least in this community, is like people get really excited at the very beginning and- Then it wanes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. What I would like to tip in the following month is, okay, all these cool initiatives that we are doing, not only in Tudu, but also like, for instance, collaborating with other open source projects such as Scales. So we are working, a few people from the Tudu community are joining Chaos Ospometrics Working Group to work on standardized ways of ospometrics. I know they've been deciding on strategic goals. That's great. But how can we give some output? How can we end up finalizing things and making it open to everyone so more people can collaborate and update those documents? I would say that will be my major milestone ahead in the following months. Not only making people willing to start things, but also to, okay, and let's finish, let's drive awareness, let's bring more people together to collaborate and give different points of view and end up with a final output that can come in the shape of, I don't know, a best practice or a white paper or whatever. So we're entering a bear market. I mean, we're seeing a lot of layoffs of large tech companies. Has that affected participation at all so far in the Osbo group? I think it's soon to say that. I've heard the news and I've known some people from the community that I know they were on a position and they are not anymore, but they still participate in both right now. Yeah. So I would say, let's wait and let's see what is happening. Because, you know, even though you are not part of the OSPO, they can still be participating in the community. 
maybe because of that, I haven't seen like a direct impact right now. Yep. Maybe in the following months, something happens and I have more updates to give. No, that's a good point. Have you noticed anything else changing in the community as a whole since AuthicalCon in September when we last talked? Yeah, I've seen more active involvement. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's great. And even from practitioners that are outside, for instance, like the general members and so on, which is great because we really want to give voice on that. And from open source foundations, like representatives from open source communities and foundations joining these community calls, I also think it's great because we can share different perspectives and not be like the same group of always. So I would say that is what I'm saying that is changing compared to the last months. So if any of our listeners are interested in getting involved, where can they find your stuff? So I will suggest to go to todegroup.org slash community. And if there are newcomers, they have like a community onboarding guide where they can find all the resources to get started into to do and the ospology community meetings, working groups meetings, and all the projects like the OSPO mind map we are doing to get started and present to the whole community. And where can we find you on Macedon, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So on Macedon, I think it's NAJSNA95 is the same one as on Twitter. And on LinkedIn is Ana Jimenez Santa Maria. And I highlight Santa Maria because if you just type Ana Jimenez, there are so many Ana Jimenez in the world. Like, really, you're not going to find me. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been excellent to have you on. As always, I really enjoy your work and I enjoy seeing the continued involvement from all these different companies trying to just help out the open source ecosystem. Overwhelmingly, my experience has been the people in these groups are interested in doing as much as they can to help everyone else, even if the company itself is maybe, you know, has a different reputation. So I love that you're helping to corral them to do great work. So keep it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much as well as always. It's always great to go to this podcast, listen to all these podcasts. And thank you so much for inviting me. Hello and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about open source sustainability for the long haul. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Where is the podcast room? Ah, I'm very excited to be here at State of the Open once more. This is the first conference of a site in the UK, Open Everything. I've been having a ton of fun recording these little mini podcasts. And now across me, I have another guest, which is great, Samson Gaudi. Samson, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, actually. How's it going? It's going really well. <laughs> I'm really happy to have you here. So you travel a lot, so it's kind of unsurprising, but also really cool to have you back at Sustain. You were in the Sustain event in Brussels, weren't you? Yes. So I've been going to a lot of Sustain. That's <laughs> great. I love it. You're also on the OSC board? Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, I joined the Open Source Collective board, I think. So. It's been a while. I can't remember the exact date, but it's been a while. But yeah. You are also, of course, the organizer for Oscar. Yeah, Oscar. 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 Oscar okay, Fest. what's yeah. Oscar again? Yeah, so just like in the Open Source Collective, so Open Source Community Africa is a project that I co-founded in 2017. Who was the other co-founder? Adele and Kyle Williams. She's cool. a pretty cool lady. So yeah, we did create Oscar in 2017, and then eventually that grew up to be something on its own, became so big and. Part of what we do at Oscar is to do the Open Source Festival, which is a pretty cool conference, up to three days event. We usually host the Sustain Africa yep. just around it. 
And again, we're going to do something again this year. So pretty excited about that. Super cool. You said three days. How many people normally come to an Oscar? So the average of 1,500. That's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, so this year, we're trying to get up to 3,000 people. <laughs> and this is because we just want to be, I don't know, moderate, I guess. So tell me about what actually happens at these events. I mean, is that like 3,000 people in one room looking at a single speaker or... Well, it can be. So it's kind of a, obviously, bunch of tracks where as a speaker or attendee, like you get to choose what tracks you want to go to. Cool. Okay. So it's like a multi-track conference. It's more like festival. a FOSDEM. Yeah, kind of a FOSDEM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But we're looking forward to see how we can host, I mean, in the main keynote section where everyone can come and how we can host at least 1,500 or 2,000 people in the main room. But of course, like give people the opportunity to like, you know, spread out. So we're still looking for the right venue for that. It's going to be happening in June 22nd to 24th, which is announced like a week ago. Hey, so yeah, cool. so pretty excited. There's like very soon we're going to be doing call for papers. So anyone that is interested in learning more should go to Oscar Fest or you can just send them an email. I want to say Twitter, but then something happened with a Twitter account. I guess I have to reach out to Elon for that one. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Let me know if you need a podcaster. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So immediate question. I look at a lot of open source projects, been around open source for many years now. Mm-hmm. Don't see a lot of maintainers of major open source projects coming from Africa or Nigeria because mm-hmm. it's in, in Lagos. No? Yeah, Lagos, yeah. How can we change that? What happens at the OSCO event? Is it a lot of people trying to get into open source or is it a lot of maintainers talking about their projects or their companies that use open source within Nigeria? I'm curious. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, I would say there's the couple projects that have core maintainers that are Nigerians or in this case, like Africans. I think the only challenge here is they barely talk about it. You wouldn't necessarily know the face of those maintainers, huh. except they go to conference and give a talk. So, for example... One of the biggest gets into the framework, it's called Chakra UI. Yep. Uh, it's really popular in the JavaScript ecosystem. It's created by a Nigerian. Like most of the maintainers are Nigerians. And of course, it became so big. I think probably over, yeah, they have a lot of downloads a lot, like, which is pretty cool. But then most people didn't know that until like GitHub did the readme project. I think he had like a spotlight cool. over there, like the face of the creator, right? So I think that's what it's missing because Usually you would know like how popular project is or the people behind the project because one, it's maybe the people are based in the US and you typically see them in like open source summits and with booth. But then I would say it's not necessarily a thing seeing like an average African coming to like open source summit and having a booth where they want to talk about the project that they create. Because one, there's a logistic challenge that would get them there. Obviously yeah. it's a really long travel. I know this because I travel a lot. And then second, there's also the visa issues where depending on the country you're from, it's either it's close to being easy or it's extremely difficult. And of course, the cost of the offline abroad, it can be crazy. So one, that is actually the reason why Oscar Fest is there because we're trying to bring that experience that you would typically get like in FastM or in yeah. typically open source summit and then give people the highlight. So if you go and watch our videos on YouTube or articles that were written over the years, you see... Pretty cool people like sharing ideas and things they've done. In fact, there's a list right now on GitHub called Made in Collection, actually, called Made in Africa. And then if you check the github.com slash collection, I think that's slash Made in, made in Africa. But I'm going to share that link later. You're going to see like a curated list of cool open source projects 
created by Nigerians on GitHub like, cool. with pretty cool stories and all that stuff. I love that. Do you feel that Oscar has made a difference in the open source community in Africa? I would say I have a bunch of conflict of interest because I'm part of Oscar. So. I know you <laughs> like, I'm curious, like, uh, or not, like, it's easier now to uh-huh. find other people. And I would say yes. But like, given what Oscar is trying to do, we've been able to make a wave, do a lot of advocacy. A lot of people know us now and they trust what we do. So that means that it's a lot easier for us to like get to find people and find projects, right? Cool. Sometimes we draw them out with like the events that we run, like yep. invite and all that. And then of course, like one of the things that I've seen, not in a biased way, but like as much unbiased as possible, <laughs> is that in 2020, after the festival, which was just two days before the whole lockdown yep. happened, right? Uh, a lot of people came to the festival, they saw a lot of cool stuff. And then there were just like jobs, opportunities, like that was crazy. Cool. Right? Some people interacted with potential employees and then yeah. did like, you know, met cool people, they built stuff together, companies were open, founded. So it's just like seeing how like the single events can like make a lot of impacts among people on the continent. I have a tough question. Please forgive me if I articulate this badly. There are a lot of racist and colonialist attitudes towards Nigeria, which are really difficult to deal with. And those yeah. must be perpetuated in the tech community. Yeah. Is there anything that corporations or communities of tech people can do to help out Oscar? And what would that look like? What would support look like? What would a healthier ecosystem for open source have to look like to include Oscar as a first order player? So that's what we've been working like so hard to make sure that we make it easy for any third party or in this case, like outsider or people that are not like lack context to what like the continent looks like, yeah. especially in the open source space to be easy to be reached out to, right? So we've worked with companies like Google, Microsoft, Meta, GitHub, and like companies, right? And we've done that over the years because one, just like you said, right, it's kind of really difficult because of this weird perception or whatever. And I know this because of Kenya. Though I've not really indirectly have much of those, but I've seen it over the years, like true travels, visas. It's just harder for people to just like break through stuff. And of course, like even getting a job is also really weird, which is really interesting. So for us, a way to work with Oscar is one, it's the easiest way is obviously through the festival, which is like coming as sponsors or, you know, coming as a partner in any way that you want to do it. Like we're open to any form of partnership from the traditional sponsorship to the partnership part. We do have deeper partnership where we enable our community, we enable companies to interact with our community in general, like cool. across the continent. So yeah. not just in Nigeria, but also like in Kenya, like other places, right? So we've done a couple projects with some companies. And this year we have like really cool ideas that we're going to be doing. In fact, I have a talk later today that I'm going to be sharing some highlights about like what we're trying to do this year. Cool. That means that we're looking for like more companies or in, in organization that wants to partner. We should probably reach out. I know when I think about Oscar, I often think of Lagos. Can you talk to me about other movements in countries that are not Nigeria? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the numbers are there. It's the biggest country in the continent. So yeah, it can be... Can Is it the biggest in land or population? By population. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. 200 plus million people. Yeah, yeah. So, South Africa is 130, I'd say it's like... 50 million. 50, okay. The closest to that is like 110, which is Ethiopia. Cool, yeah. Yeah, Nigeria is big. Yeah, but obviously there's a lot of movement there. But one of the craziest part about being an African is the ease of traveling in Africa. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. I would 
No TSA? So, so, yeah, right now, I would rather want to go to like the Western countries and go to like an average African country because of a lot of things. One, it is so expensive to travel. Yeah. I remember there was a time a friend of mine traveled recently. He paid up to $1,300 from Nigeria to Kenya. Oh, you mean the, the unease of travel? It's yeah. very difficult to travel it within is very, Africa. It is very difficult. Yeah, and it's difficult to travel even within Nigeria, right? To get from one side to the other. Yeah, side. it is yeah. also expensive. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like, traveling across the continent from your own state to another state is so expensive. Like, yeah. your typical round trip from like Paris to London can't even take you from one state to another state in Nigeria. It's not expensive. It's kind of like a privileged thing, if that makes sense. So yeah, because of that factor, people don't really get to talk to each other a lot. So most of the time it's true events. But I would say there are other really cool communities out there. Like in Kenya, Kenya is technically the second largest developers community. Then you're looking at South Africa, which is pretty cool. You're looking at Ghana. They have like really nice community over there. And then obviously the northern part of Africa, which is often ignored, but then it's the, you know, Egypt, Tunisia, Morocco. There's like really cool. Obviously, the easiest way to find that is to track and see what is happening within the Google Developers Group because that group, they have a lot of folks on the continent. So like there, you know, you tend to see like reports over the years. And of course, like with Oktoberfest every year, report, right? You get to see how Morocco, Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, how they are improving over the years, right? So she sees there's a lot of people out there. It's just the problem is the people connecting with others isn't as easy as how you want to connect from somebody from London to Paris. I can just take a train from London to Paris, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I can't do that in Africa. I know you run sustained events at OSCA. I'm really curious how you view software sustainability. Like, what does it mean from your perspective? So for me, what is sustained to me is the opportunity to like hear others pain point. Because for me, I'm having been in open source for a really long time. I think at some point I'm beginning to be in my bubble. Like sometimes yeah. I don't tend to see some of the struggles that happened to others because again, like this is things either at the beginning stage of the struggle and then obviously growing that part and then having that biases. So like having to host a sustained Africa and then hearing like what people are going through just gives an idea of like, yo, okay, like these things are happening. So for example, docs is still a problem in 2022, right? Yeah. Like better docs is still a problem. Which is ironic because there are a lot of projects, programs, even roles, technical writers, right? And still, that's still an issue. Also, we're still talking about the issue of um, funding. Funding is still crazy. Even worse in the continent Africa because there's a lot of currencies out there. Yeah. Like it's not like the US or Europe or some part of Asia. In West Africa, you're looking at up to five different currencies, yeah. right? So sending money across can be a bit crazy. So now what you tend to see is the fact that these people still have most of the obvious challenges that are not necessarily, or in this case, are being ignored. But it's kind of a big deal because they need those things to like excel or to be much better. And that's why like we're really happy that we're hosting Sustain every, almost every year, making sure that we hear what's going on and we try as much as we can to invite key stakeholders and of course, like share with the rest of the Sustain group on like what's happening over there. Love that. Can you talk a bit about what your favorite sessions have been in the same community events within Oscar? I'm always on the funding part because I love hearing people talking about like the steps they need to do or to take to get funded, which is always very interesting. I'm also very interested in the, I think one of the conversations that keeps coming up is like mentorship, right? In fact, we are actually building a program this year dedicated for you at Oscar. Like we want cool. to make sure that we 
tick up that mental again, something exactly. yeah. and, and jury of, yeah. of course and then try to test it a year and then we invite the right stakeholders to come and you know expand it across i wonder if it'd be possible to have a mentorship model where we pair western developers with developers in Oscar. Yeah, that is even possible too. Like we're working on that. Like we're thinking about what does the open source mentorship looks like. I know we do have already interesting mentorship program like Outreachy, there's some of code, yeah. the artists, like we're trying to figure out like, do we want to do something that way or do we want to do something in between or do we want to do something totally different, right? So we're kind of in the early stage of what that looks like. But yeah, it's something that we're thinking about this year. We want to execute it this year because there's a lot of requests about it. You said you're giving a talk here at State of Open State. What was it on again? Yeah, I'm giving a talk about government policy track. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. I think we're running up on time. So tell me about where you, we can learn more about OSCAD. Yeah. So you can go to OSC, that's O-S-C-A, or in this case, OSC Africa, what word, dot org. That's the site you can get all the links you're looking for. Discord, Twitter, when we finally revived that one. LinkedIn, Facebook, for anyone that's using Facebook, Instagram, and where we just upload stuff. And then for the festival, it's festival.oscafrica.org. So kind of a subdomain. And that's where you can learn more. Or if you want to just shoot up an email, you can do info at oscafrica.org. We're very responsive. And also, since we have a bit of time, I know you recently left the company you were working at. What's next? Yeah, I'm still looking to do stuff around open source, DevRel, and community, something in between any of them or anything specific. So yeah, uh, that's kind of where I'm still looking at because I still want to have as much input as I can on a product, which is obviously my experience there in product. But also I want to be able to like translate the product to the community, right? So kind of in between both is kind of the sweet spot. But yeah, so that's what I'm looking for right now. If only you had any experience of leading communities, Samson. I just feel like you haven't done anything important. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You did a great job. It's the best. Awesome. I hope you have a wonderful talk here. I hope you really enjoyed this conference. Thank you so much. Where can people find you on the web? Yeah, I'm very loud on Twitter. So you can find me at my full name. So just search my full name. I want to be so specific. It's Samson underscore Gotti, G-O-D-D-Y. That's on Twitter. LinkedIn, my full name, Samson Gotti. I basically use my full name everywhere. So you can find me anywhere with my full name. So Samson space Gotti, LinkedIn, Twitter. I don't use YouTube. I don't use TikTok, but literally everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. This yeah. has been the best. And yeah, thanks. Thank you very much.